Albert Einstein, Richard Branson, Bill Gates, John F. Kennedy, Tony Robbins, Michael Phelps, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of industries. What else do they have in common? Well, they all have ADHD, but you don't hear much about that, do you? You know what you hear even less about? The successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm an attorney, not a doctor, a lifelong student, not a coach. I'm also the creator of Cortography, a patent-pending system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your superpowers, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest superpowers. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode 21 of ADHD for Smartass Women. Today, we are going to talk about ADHD and weight. Yeah, fun, huh? Well, when people think of the stereotypical ADHD person, first of all, they don't see a woman or a girl, now do they? No, they see a boy who's energetic, constantly moving, constantly talking, climbing the walls. They're hyperactive, so that really doesn't square with someone who struggles with their weight. But studies show that ADHD symptoms may trigger serious weight problems, especially for us inattentive types. Research actually shows that those that struggle with obesity are five to 10 times more likely to have ADHD. I mean, what more challenges can our brains possibly throw at us, right? Every time I turn around, it's like, oh, that's an ADHD thing too. And that's how I feel right now. This has even more significant implications for girls and eating disorders because most of the early studies, guess what? They were conducted on men or preteen boys who don't usually have eating disorders. So the link between ADHD and eating disorders, it's been overlooked for so long. Now, I found this great book called Understanding Girls with ADHD by authors and ADHD experts, Kathleen Nadeau, Ellen Littman, and Patricia Quinn. I believe Nadeau and Littman have ADHD. And in this book, they cite two recentish studies of adolescent girls with ADHD. Now, in the first study, the girls with ADHD were found to be 3.6 times more likely to develop an eating disorder than girls without ADHD. They were also 5.6 times more likely to develop bulimia and 2.7 times more likely to develop anorexia. In the second study, they discovered that if you were impulsive and you were also diagnosed with combined type hyperactive and inattentive ADHD, that was the best predictor of an eating disorder in girls. So I'm going to post the link in the show notes to this particular book and the studies. But what I wanted to explore is I wanted to explore this link, you know, between eating disorders, girls and ADHD, the struggle with weight for people with ADHD. And I guess it makes sense because if you look at our brain chemistry, our dopamine levels are lower, 
we're wired to always be looking for more dopamine. It's just nature, right? We are looking for something more stimulating. So we can eat the whole box of cookies, or in my case, 12 boxes of turtle candies when I was in the fourth grade. So I was in the fourth grade and we were supposed to sell boxes of candy to raise money for our school. And I don't even know how this started, but I like turtle candies. I liked candy. I loved sugar a lot when I was a kid. And I started eating one box of candy and I could not stop. I ate all 12 boxes. My dad, by the way, was a dentist. And so we weren't even supposed to be eating candy. And I knew I would get in so much trouble if they found out. So I ended up breaking open my piggy bank, taking $12 out because I guess each box was a dollar. So I paid the school, but then I don't even know what I was thinking. I mean, talk about not kind of putting everything together. I left, I had a trundle bed in my room and I left all 12 empty boxes in my trundle bed until my brother found them and told on me. And I got in so much trouble. So I often wondered, how could I have eaten 12 boxes of turtle candies? Well, now I know. Eating sugar and carbohydrates triggers that rush of dopamine. We eat for stimulation. We eat to feel better. We think we're going to feel better if we eat. As humans, we're naturally wired to search for that feeling of satiety, but we often don't get it. And there's a reason we don't get it. Yep, we've got another syndrome. Hold on. This one is called Reward Deficiency Syndrome, or RDS. Not to be confused for RSD, or rejection-sensitive dysphoria, which is that extreme form of emotional dysregulation that we talked about a couple weeks ago. This one is Reward Deficiency Syndrome, and it's a term that was coined in 1995 by Dr. Kenneth Blunt. RDS is basically a disconnect in the brain reward cascade. We don't feel enough motivation to work towards a reward, But if that weren't enough, we also don't feel enough satisfaction once we get the reward. So I had this phrase in college that I coined called post-final depression. What I noticed is I would be working so hard right before finals, and I was so excited to finish. And I would constantly think, when I'm finally done, When I get to walk out of my last final, I'm going to feel so good. And so I would work really hard. I would do really well. I would walk out of the last final. And I would think, is that all there is? Okay, now I got to go work on something else because that didn't feel very satisfying. And I would look at my friends and they were all out partying and, you know, getting together and doing fun things. And they were so proud of themselves. But I was just kind of like, okay, what's the next thing? (laughs) someone who struggles with weight doesn't get the same satisfaction from food that someone who doesn't struggle with weight gets. Does that make sense? And it's the same thing for my post-final depression, right? I kept going back looking for that satisfaction, meaning every time finals would come around, I would think that, okay, this time it's going to be the time. I am going to feel so proud of myself. And then it would come and it'd be like, oh, let's move on to the next thing. And this went through college. Well, it went through high school. It went through college. Then it went to law school. Then it went to graduate law school. I constantly thought, well, if the reward gets bigger, I'm going to finally be so happy and feel so proud of myself. So I kept going back, looking for that level of satisfaction that I was expecting. And you know what? That's exactly how addictive behaviors can start. 
We become driven to seek substances and or behaviors to get the dopamine that's missing in the reward pathway. Right now, we're talking about food, but this can happen with alcohol, with smoking, with drugs. But the difference there is you can live without alcohol, without smoking, without drugs. You can remove yourself from all situations that involve alcohol, smoking, and drugs. That's one decision that you can make if you want to. You cannot do that with food. In fact, I heard a statistic, I don't know if it was from Weight Watchers or I don't remember where it was, but that you make 150 decisions about food every single day. And it makes sense. What are you going to eat? How are you going to prepare it? What kind of you know condiments and things do you need to buy for it? I mean, it goes on and on and it's every single meal. Should I eat that? Should I not eat that? You know, all of the chatter that goes on in your brain, every single one of those decisions is a self-regulation, something that those of us with ADHD, we often struggle with. So it's no wonder that food and weight can be such a challenge for us. And by the way, this RDS, it's also why you never feel like you've accomplished enough. You know, what I was just talking about, that whole phrase that I coined post-final depression. I didn't get the satisfaction I thought I was going to get from the reward, from finishing up my finals, from working really hard and doing really well. So what would I do? I'd go seek another challenge. And I was constantly upping the bar. One last thing that I want to say about this. So the dysfunction in the reward pathway predisposes those of us with ADHD towards addictive behaviors, but it's not a guarantee. It is not a certainty. Many of us do not struggle with this. I know I may struggle a little bit with achievement. You know, what I just told you about the phrase that I coined post-final depression, that it never seems to be enough. What I achieve doesn't seem to be enough, but I'm lucky in that I don't struggle with substances like alcohol, smoking, or drugs. So what else explains this link between disordered eating and ADHD? Well, we struggle with executive function deficits, right? We struggle to plan. Now, when I was first married, my husband would try and get me to go to the grocery store once or twice a week. Not by myself, with him. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to go shopping twice a week, and then we would plan out our meals for the week. Now, I don't even know what I want to eat until five minutes before I want to eat. And I just pushed against that because there was no point in going shopping for four days out when I didn't even know that what we would buy would be what I wanted to eat, right? So then we had an exchange student come live with us. His name was Marcus. My son is named after him. He came from Germany and, you know, Germans, they're planners. I'm half German. I don't know why I didn't get it, but they're planners. So... Marcus, big Marcus, this was before my kids, big Marcus and my husband, Rich, were so happy because, well, my husband was the one who was actually really happy because he finally had someone that he could plan meals with. And I just kind of had to come along because, you know, I was that third wheel that refused to plan. And because the exchange student that lived with us, Marcus, was only 15, we felt an obligation to actually sit down and have meals and not just constantly go out for dinner. And then once we had kids... We, of course, had to get better at planning. But I have to tell you, if it weren't for my husband, who's really healthy, I would probably eat crap because I wait until I'm hungry. And when you wait until you're hungry, you're really hungry, right? And you eat whatever's there in front of you, whether it's good for you or not. And my problem is I forget to eat. 
sometimes four o'clock will roll around and I'll have a headache and I'll be grumpy and I don't even know why. And suddenly I'll look at the clock and it'll be, oh my gosh, it's already four o'clock and I haven't eaten. What else explains the link between disordered eating and ADHD? Well, how about impulsiveness? If you're also impulsive and you see something that looks really good, you get swept up in it and you forget that it's not good for you. You forget that, oh, wait a minute, I'm trying to eat healthy. We grab the junk before our brain says, wait, you shouldn't eat that. It's already down. And then we think, oh, why did I eat that? Right? Okay. What else could we talk about? How about bad sleep habits? We often find it hard to get to bed, to fall asleep, to stay asleep, sometimes all of these things. And studies show that poor sleep habits lead to poor eating habits, which leads to obesity. When our bodies are sleep deprived, our brains release hormones that cause us to eat foods that are high in fat and sugar. Then our metabolism drops to conserve fat because after all, we come from cavemen, right? And that lack of sleep used to mean famine. Our bodies don't know. We don't live in caves anymore. They just see that, oh my gosh, we're sleep deprived. That must mean famine's coming. What else explains this link between disordered eating and ADHD? We're oriented outside of ourselves. We're constantly looking for stimulation. And often we don't know what's going on inside ourselves. Are we hungry? Are we thirsty? Are we tired? Are we bored? This is called poor interoceptive awareness. And I know I am challenged with this in the evenings. I'm not even hungry. I'm bored. I want some stimulation, and I think, oh, what snack could I go find? Even though I'm not hungry at all, it's just become this pattern where I don't really think about, am I actually hungry? I just sort of get up and act on this need for stimulation. I also discovered that there's something called procrastinating. For some of us, we use food as a way to not start what we don't want to do. Instead, we snack. One of our members in our Facebook group mentioned that she'd get herself to study by bringing in a bunch of snacks and eating her way through a study session. I don't know if that's procrastinating, but maybe that's study eating, study eating. <laughs> so how do we get control over our eating? What if we want to lose weight? Well, if medication works for you, it can make a huge difference. It boosts the brain's executive functions. You become less impulsive. You become better at regulating your emotions and your behavior so you can follow a plan. Number two, your goals need to be front and center. You know, we forget our goals. We must really be plugged into why we want to get healthier, why we want to lose weight, whatever the goal is. And then we need to set ourselves up so we can't forget it because, well, you know, impulsivity, right? So we need to ask ourselves, do I want to live longer to see my kids grow up? Do I want to feel better? Do I want to look better? You know, I have an app which I love, called the Today app. And so what I do, or what I did, was I have a photo of myself when I felt really good and I was at my perfect weight. And that photo pops up 10 times a day when I set it. You know, when I'm mindful and I think, you know what, I'd like to, you know, drop a few pounds. I'm feeling sluggish. I don't feel good. I will turn the Today app back on. 
The Today app also pops up with my intention. So I have an intention that's set so I don't forget that either. My intention is to feel connected, inspired, and like I'm doing exactly what I should be doing. And I mean, something even that silly, I feel like I need to be reminded several times a day why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so sometimes when I get frustrated, that intention will pop up and I ask myself, okay, you are frustrated right now, but are there things that you did today to feel connected, to feel inspired, and like you're doing exactly what you should be doing? And I have to tell you, Every single time I ask myself that, the answer is yes. Okay, what else can we do? Well, we can plan our meals, right? I'm lucky. My husband shoves food in front of me at lunch. We both have offices in a separate building that's on our property where we live. But I know that if it weren't for him, I would forget to eat. And I know this because when he's out on appointments, I forget to eat. On those days, what I will do is I will set an alarm on my Apple Watch to take a break. Now, I know I've mentioned the Apple Watch before. For me, it was life-changing. I often forget things, and I love that I can constantly set my Apple Watch. I can set alarms. So, you know, in 30 minutes, go check the wash. So I'm not washing clothes five times over. I can ask it to please remind me, set an alarm for 15 minutes so that I don't burn what's on the stove. I just feel so much more in control of my working memory with the Apple Watch. I cannot rave enough about it. And I remember, you know, when my kids were little, I would literally just forget to eat and I would forget to feed them. And it was horrifying. They'd come to me and it would be, mommy, we're hungry. And I'd look at the clock and it was 2 p.m. and they hadn't had lunch. So had they not reminded me, I would have not remembered. I wish at that time I had had an Apple Watch because I would have set it for, you know, 12 o'clock, make lunch. The other two hacks that I've used that I really like is prepared meals. And Blue Apron and Purple Carrot make really good prepared meals where I don't have to go shopping. It shows up at my front door and it's a complete dinner for my entire family. And they're really, really good. And it somehow makes preparing food, it makes dinner, it makes it an event. And I just find it very therapeutic. If everything's there, I don't have to find it. And all I have to do is cook. I really enjoy cooking. We don't buy crap. If I go shopping, I know I'm going to buy food that is not good for me and food that is not good for my family. If my husband shops, he won't do that. So he does most of the shopping. I may go 25% of the time. And, you know, that means that there's always something I'm going to throw in there that we don't need or we really shouldn't be eating. But I do that less and less because I know that I don't want that kind of food in the house. I don't buy processed food, but, you know, I buy good food, but things I shouldn't be eating, like a lot of cheese and I love good bread. I like sweets, things that, you know, it. I don't feel better after I eat them. So why am I buying them? Why are they in the house? And since my husband is ultra healthy, my son is a vegan, and my daughter's in New York City going to school, I am the only one that will eat this. So if I buy a package of cookies, I pretty much know I'm eating that whole damn box. So I don't even want it in the house. I also tend, as I told you already, to be a night snacker. I'm not even hungry. It's just something I do. I know it's because I'm looking for stimulation. I'm bored. And so there I am in the pantry. 
One of the things that has really helped me curtail that is an app called the Zero app. Now, this is a fasting app, and there are a number of studies that have been done about the health benefits to fasting. With the Zero app or the way I use it, I'm not talking about two or three day fasts. I'm talking about 16 or 17 hour fasts. There have also been studies done indicating that when we're hungrier, our focus is better. And I know that for myself, that is definitely true. When I'm full, I always feel like I'm in a fog and I hate to go to bed at night when I'm full. Where the Zero app really helps me is to draw a bright line so I'm not snacking at night. So after dinner, if I know I really want to pay attention to what I'm eating, I will turn the Zero app on and I will start a fast until noon the next morning. Just the act of clicking that fast button in the Zero app, it keeps me committed to the goal of not snacking. I don't know why it is. It's the bright line. And suddenly I remember, nope, you made this commitment to yourself. You're going to follow it. When I go to bed just a little hungry, I've also noted that I feel so much better when I wake up in the morning. My mental health is better. I feel, I don't know if it has to do with cortisol levels or what, but I feel much less anxious and I'm just in a better mood. Little things don't bother me. If I go to bed, and I'm a little hungry. So my biggest advice would be to pay attention to your body. Pay attention to how you feel because your body will tell you what it is that you need or don't need. Now, the last thing that I learned is apparently eating several small meals throughout the day, that provides ongoing stimulation and it's supposed to reduce impulsivity. Now, I am not an eating small meals throughout the day kind of person. I have tried. I don't eat breakfast. Sometimes I forget to eat lunch. Food isn't as important to me as it used to be. So I've never been able to actually test the eating several small meals throughout the day. And I think that when I have my senses that I feel like I'm hungrier, I don't know, but it's worth a try because that may work for you. So how else can we control our overeating? Well, sleep. We talked about sleep, right? I'm hyperactive. All my life, I have looked down my nose at sleepers. Sleep to me is a waste of life. This is one of the things that my husband used to sleep a lot before he met me. And this is one of the things that we always struggle with. He wants to go to bed earlier than I want to go to bed. There is just so much that I want to do. There's so much that I want to learn. There's so much that I want to see. And the truth is that if you're struggling with weight, the most important thing you can do is go to bed earlier. I don't struggle with falling to sleep or staying asleep. My struggle is getting my rear end in bed. And when I can get to bed by midnight, that's another thing. I wake up and I feel so much better in the morning. Apparently, sleep is so important for body and brain health, for feeling less stressed, for focus, for mood, frankly, for everything. What else can we do? I know you hate this word probably, but exercise. You know, we know that our ancestors were movers. To survive, we were constantly on the move, hunting prey, finding water. Today, though, we're usually at a desk and we're eating crap. And this lack of movement is really at the expense of our brains, especially those of us with ADHD. Because for those of us with ADHD, we really need our body to move in order to function well and remain healthy. The best book I've read on all of this is Spark by John Rady. John Rady is a psychiatry professor at Harvard Medical School. He also has ADHD. He co-authored Driven to Distraction with Edward Hallowell 
who has ADHD. And through a combination of stories, interviews, and research, Rady concludes that frequent moderate to high-intensity cardio permanently improves physical, mental, and psychological health. It reduces anxiety for all people. And in Britain, it's the first line of defense before medication for depression. In the U.S., it's vastly underused. Our first line of defense in treating ADHD, of course, is to prescribe medication. And I got to tell you, I have never had a psychologist or a psychiatrist tell me or my son to exercise. But it's so important. For decades, we've all heard that we need exercise for a healthy body, right? Well, it turns out that we also need exercise for a healthy brain. And beyond that, we need exercise to best learn. Exercise leads to an increase in the level of neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin in the brain. It also sharpens our focus. It improves our mood. It helps our concentration and our motivation. And remember, motivation is biological. It has nothing to do with a weak character, but we can affect our motivation with exercise. Boost dopamine in your brain through exercise, and you're going to seek less stimulation from food. The other thing that I think will help you is to set small goals. Don't start with, I have to exercise for an hour. Start with, I'm going to exercise for 15 minutes. And maybe that exercise is, I'm going to go for a walk. And then pay attention to how you feel. If you feel better, which you will, I'm sure of it, you will feel more positive emotion. Here we go with positive emotion again, right? And we know that positive emotion motivates us. So if you can do 15 minutes for day one, then for day two, you're going to feel motivated to say, you know what? Today, I'm going to do 20 minutes. I also find that I often forget what I'm doing, how I want to feel, because I get so lost in the moment. So what really helps me is repetition, meaning I have to do things every day to remind me of my goals. So there's another app. It's called Noom, and it's expensive. I think I paid probably $44 a month. And I used the paid one for several months. You know, I wanted to drop seven or eight pounds. And so that's what I used. I used the paid version. But I think the non-paid version of Noom is very helpful as well because what it requires is that you weigh yourself every day. Now, for the non-ADHD person, that's probably going to be too much. In fact, I think that they normally say you're not supposed to weigh yourself every day. But for me, it keeps me connected to my goal. If I weigh myself every day, it makes me pay better attention to what I'm eating every day. None of this, uh, well, I think I can eat that donut today because I just weighed myself. And so I have a whole week before I have to step on the scale again. Yeah, that totally does not work. But if I weigh myself every day, guess what? I start to see the scale numbers go down and that's positive emotion. And when I see those numbers go down, it motivates me to continue what I'm doing for the next day. I feel proud of myself. I feel good. I'm motivated to keep going. And tracking what I'm eating, it kind of does the same thing too. It connects me to my goal. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you're a dietitian, you're a nutritionist, or you're a coach who specializes in working with ADHD women who are trying to lose weight, I would love for you to contact me. I know that there is so much more that I don't know about ADHD and weight loss, and I would love to have you here on my podcast or in our group speaking to us about you know more that we can learn about ADHD and weight loss. Anyway, 
As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. If you've been listening to me for a while, I would so appreciate a review. It's not hard to do. You don't even have to write anything. All you have to do is go to the iTunes podcast platform, scroll down to the bottom and click on the stars. That's it. If you'd like to know more about me, our patent pending cartography system that teaches you how to figure out which of the many interests you have is the one that you should pursue, or if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and click on podcast in the navigation bar. You're going to see a microphone to your right where you can leave me an audio message. You can also reach out to me at tracy at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. If you liked what you heard, we sure would appreciate a review. And not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, well, that's also the name of our free Facebook group. Go look it up. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. We'd love to have you join us. You can also find all my details over at tracyoutsuka.com. Don't forget, I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.